When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And hello, MD Nation. Happy holidays. Christmas is here. And so is your championship weeks, which is why it's no better time than to listen to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and this is it for about 99.9% of you leagues out there. This is your championship week, week 16. I know we have that 0.1% of the amateur hour leagues going into week 17 where you guys actually play your championships next week or this week and next week, I should say, usually a combo of the two. Yes, we will have our shows next week. Yes, we will have our Sunday afternoon recap, our Tuesday primetime recap with the waiver wire report, and yes... Like today, which we have a two-hour holiday special, we're going to be doing another two-hour New Year's Eve special next Thursday from 12 to 2 o'clock, and we'll recap, or we'll preview, I should say, all of the Week 17 games. So the same schedule, don't worry, even though I make fun of you, I will still be available for you guys giving out content, and that'll be it. That'll be it for this show, for the season. It's been a great one. Being as the holidays and it's the end of the year, this is a great opportunity for me to thank all of you who have listened to this show, have watched this show, have supported this show, and really made it into what it is today. It's taken big leaps. This is only our second year. I have a lot of things planned for our third season going into next year, hopefully taking the next leap. And as long as you guys keep supporting us, 
Keep subscribing. Keep giving us those five-star reviews. This show can continue to grow, and the more this show continues to grow, the more resources I will have available to make a better show each and every time out for making it more entertaining for you guys and more informative and therefore making you better fantasy football players and champions, which is what we're going to be talking about in today's show. It's all about the championship. It's all about who's going to help you win, take that trophy, take that cash prize, and maybe even more importantly of all, take those bragging rights over your friends for the next year in fantasy football. We wouldn't be anywhere, though. We have to always start off every show, it seems like, with some COVID news. They like to try to get that out of the way. The COVID news for this week is Bevel for the Detroit Lions. The first head coach we've had all season long will not be able to coach his team on Saturday. What effect that'll have, we'll have to see. Now, he can be a part of the game planning virtually, so he's still putting that together, but he's not going to be the one on the sidelines calling the timeouts, calling the plays. That will affect them to some degree. And against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which we'll get into that game in a little bit, in a little while from now, there might be some decisions you're going to have to make based on those players with that coaching change there. But that's the big COVID news for today. Uh, the other one coming out this morning, about a few minutes before we hopped onto this show, was Jedrick Willis, the rookie left tackle of the Cleveland Browns, got placed on the COVID reserve list. That's going to be interesting, too, because... The offensive line for the Cleveland Browns over the past two weeks has gotten a little bit banged up between injuries and now having some issues with COVID. All of a sudden, that great running game does it take a little bit of a hit against the New York Jets. We'll preview that and a whole lot more. But to kick things off, we actually have a Christmas Day special. No Thursday night game tonight on Christmas Eve, but there is a Christmas Day game. The Saints and the Vikings at 4.30, the NFL looking like they want to try to compete with the NBA here in this situation by putting a game on Friday afternoon at 4.30, and a big one at that. The Saints and the Vikings, this is going to be a game with a lot of fantasy-relevant players. So after you're done opening up gifts right before dinner starts, make sure you tell everybody, hey, you know what, let's all watch dinner. Let's all have the kids in the living room playing with their new toys. Let's You guys watch the kids while I watch the game. That's what I'm going to be doing, that's for sure. Now, with the Vikings and the Saints, obviously, you're starting Dalvin Cook. He's a big guy. He's number top five of the week. Yes, it's the Saints defense. Yes, on paper, they're a tougher matchup. But the Saints defense has been a little shaky as of late. Now, you kind of have to look at the Chiefs game last week, and you know, you're not going to get a lot of information out of them when it comes to the running back situation because the Chiefs, not only did Clyde Edwards-Alert get hurt during that game, but they also don't involve the running back as much as they probably should in some situations. So you're not going to get a lot out of that. And then the week before, the Saints defense laid an egg against Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles and Miles Sanders, who had a big game. They've been a little bit susceptible lately. Now, it's still not a great matchup, but at the same time, we just saw Dalvin Cook against the Chicago Bears, which is the only team earlier in the season who had held him in check to any capacity. Any capacity. And... He was able to go off for a big game last week. So Dalvin Cook, fire him up, no hesitations. Obviously, I expect him to still be in the range of a similar ceiling that we're used to seeing because he's been, frankly, just flat-out unstoppable. Alexander Madison may not be available in this game, so they're really going to ride Cook. I wouldn't be surprised if he got almost 30 touches total in this game. The receivers is where it becomes a little bit more interesting, and I officially have Justin Jefferson usurping Adam Thielen as the top wide receiver of the Minnesota Vikings at this point. This is where the trend has been. Since Justin Jefferson broke out about mm, midway, almost midway point in the season, 
He's been the more dependable wide receivers. And yes, it's been a little bit back and forth from a week-to-week basis where he'll have one big week, have a silent week. But Adam Thielen, if you haven't had Adam Thielen, if you haven't been paying attention to it, has become a wide receiver three touchdown dependent player. He's not getting a consistent volume of targets week in and week out. He's not getting that. He's not being treated as the number one receiver of this team. Justin Jefferson not only is the big play guy, but he is the guy that Kirk Cousins has been going to more and more consistently as this season has worn on. Now, Adam Thielen gets a lot of targets once they get inside the red zone, but he's become very dependent on those touchdowns for his fantasy value. And against the Minnesota Vikings here, where he should draw the Marshawn Lattimore matchup, he should draw the tougher matchups of them all, I have him at wide receiver 30. I have him as a wide receiver 3 heading into this game. Now, you're probably still going to play him. I highly doubt you're going to have a better you know, player to turn to because he is somebody who can definitely have that potential to get a touchdown, maybe even two. But he has a floor. Because if he doesn't get that touchdown, he's not getting seven, eight receptions for 90 to 100 yards to make up for that. He's getting two catches for 16 yards. That's been his floor as of late. So something to kind of keep in mind with Adam Thielen, he's not as stable as you would normally think he would be heading into this game. Now, Justin Jefferson, on the other hand, is in my top 12. He is a wide receiver one. They will lean on him. He'll play from the slot. That is the area in which you can attack this thing's defense the most effectively. So I love, love Justin Jefferson this week as a top 12 wide receiver. He's a must start for you. There's no way you're taking him out in this lineup. And as we all know, even though this might be a tough matchup on paper, anything can happen in a Minnesota Viking New Orleans Saints game. Absolutely anything. If anything in recent years has proven to us, anything can happen in a matchup like this. So let's flip over to the Saints side of the ball. Drew Brees did not wind up in my streaming territory of quarterbacks, and you might find that interesting because you're going up against the Minnesota Vikings, which is such a plus matchup for the passing game. But, man, did he not look good. And against Kansas City Chiefs, I know ultimately he did put up three touchdowns. But here's the thing to keep in mind when it came to Drew Brees and why he put up those three touchdowns. He had no choice. They were trailing from behind. They had to come back from behind. They had to get aggressive. He finally had to start throwing the ball down the field. Here's what I'm worried about. This game stays close. The Saints, you know, they don't have to come back from behind by multiple scores heading into the fourth quarter. It looked to me like unless Drew Brees gets put in a position where he has to throw the ball down the field, he's not going to. He's going to check it down to Alvin Kamara. They're going to utilize the running game a little bit more. While Jared Cook didn't take advantage, the targets were there for him. So unless he's pushed into a situation where he has to come back from behind, I don't really love the ceiling of a Drew Brees. I think he has a low floor. I think they're looking to play it more conservative if they can get away with it. And that's the issue you're running into. So I think there's a lot of guys who have much higher ceilings and much safer floors than a Drew Brees. Why he doesn't wind up in my streaming territory even against the Minnesota Vikings. And that leads into Emmanuel Sanders, who I only have as wide receiver as a wide receiver three. I have him wide receiver thirty one in half point PPR leagues on the week. Remember, if you want to check out these rankings, go to bellyupfantasysports.com. And even though it's a holiday weekend, I will be updating these rankings throughout the weekend. But remember, we got, we got the game tomorrow that we're talking about right now, but we also have three games Saturday and then Sunday. So we'll definitely have to be up to date. You'll definitely have to keep checking in uh, throughout the week. But because of the lack of wanting to be aggressive, that's why I have Emmanuel Sanders at wide receiver 31. Do I love the matchup? Absolutely. 
Was it kind of nice to see that he went four catches for 76 yards against the Kansas City Chiefs? Only if you only saw the box score. Only if you only saw the box score. Because if you actually watched that game, it didn't leave you with much confidence in Emmanuel Sanders. And some people really want to look at him as a sleeper play this week with no Michael Thomas against the Minnesota Vikings. But again, it's the aggression thing, and it's the way they use Sanders. Instead of utilizing him like a Michael Thomas and having him take that true number one receiver featured role within the Saints offense, they had him line up on the perimeter and just stay out there. Instead of moving him from the perimeter to the slot, all around like they do with Thomas, having him run different route trees, no. All he did, he lined up on the perimeter, and he pretty much ran goes. And it wasn't until the very last drive of the game, when the Saints were trying to come back, that he actually got targeted multiple times. Leading up to that point, he only got targeted one time. He caught the ball for a 50-yarder on a big play, but that was it. Is the matchup easier against the Minnesota Vikings? 100%. But I don't like the way in which they use Emmanuel Sanders. If they're just going to let him be on the perimeter, we know what Drew Brees is at this point in his career. He's looking middle. He's looking short. He's not looking on the outside if he doesn't have to. So there's a low floor. Could Sanders make a big play in this game? Yes. And that's why he still comes in at wide receiver 31. He is a boom or bust option for you. He has a ceiling because he can make that one big play. Had he gotten two more yards in that 50-yarder last week, he would have went for a big touchdown. That was it. He was just two yards short of the end zone. But I'm, he doesn't come in and take over the targets that a Michael Thomas would normally have. They don't feature him the same way. So there is a low floor. So you have to pick your spots with Emmanuel Sanders. Know that you are putting a boom or bust option into your lineups. Now, of course, the must play here is Alvin Kamara. And while he didn't get as many targets as I was expecting him to last week against the Kansas City Chiefs, I expect that the remedy itself this week against the Minnesota Vikings. And if you want to take another silver lining when it comes to Alvin Kamara, is that over the past two to three games now, he has not only outcarried Latavius Murray, it's been head and shoulders Alvin Kamara. Ever since he started practicing in full again, it seems like he's really, truly over that toe injury, back to being 100%. He's now a guy who's actually out carrying Latavius Murray 16-4 in the carry workload. On top of, I believe, that those passing attempts, those passing targets will get remedied with Drew Brees in the second week back in the lineup, especially against the Minnesota Vikings. So not that you were going to bench Alvin Kamara, but I actually have him for a really high game. I actually have him ranked two spots ahead of Dalvin Cook. So I have Dalvin Cook at number five, Alvin Kamara at number three this week because I'm counting on those targets heading Kamara's way. Jared Cook is a streaming option at the tight end because the targets were there last week. And again, Drew Brees is looking in the middle of the field, and he's looking short. Now, he's only a streaming option. He's not in my top 12 because he hasn't been able to produce. He hasn't executed this year. Even when given volume, he hasn't been able to come down in spots that you needed him to. So there is still a low risk there, or a low floor there, I should say, a high risk. But he is a streaming option because I like where the volume is. Let's move off the Christmas Day game. Let's get into the Saturday game. Like I said, we have three, we have three games on Saturday. Leading off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Detroit Lions. So this comes into the COVID news that we kicked off the show with with the head coach. How will that affect the offense? Overall, from a fantasy standpoint, I think it's real simple. Tampa Bay, who I talked about all week long heading into last week, that I thought that their defense had course corrected after their bye week. Because they came out against the Minnesota Vikings. They played a lot more man. They played a lot more downhill, a lot more aggressive, a lot more what Todd Bowles is meant to do, a lot more that defense is meant to do. 
Then they come out last week against the Atlanta Falcons with no Julio Jones. They go right back to their soft zone. Carlton Davis hurts his groin, so they lose their top corner. And they don't get as aggressive and blitz-happy as they should. Well, all of a sudden, that opens things up when you're going against Detroit Lions because if that's the defense you're going to go back to, bevel or no bevel, as long as Matthew Stafford plays and he's been practicing in a limited capacity, so we do expect him to go again, well, then I like Marvin Jones. No Carlton Davis against a predominantly what's been a zone coverage scheme. Marvin Jones, who has been a number one receiver, and even though he had his struggles earlier in the season without Kenny Galladay, he's come on strong as of late. And he's been actually executing off of the targets that he's been getting. Last week, he just had over 100 yards. We just watched Calvin Ridley have 10 catches for 163 yards and a touchdown. And not, I'm not saying that's what I expect Marvin Jones's, you know, production to be this week. But can I see him going back-to-back 100 yards and a touchdown against this Tampa Bay secondary with the way they're playing right now with no Carl Davis? 100% as long as Stafford plays, which is what we expect him to do. So I have Marvin Jones here as a high-end wide receiver, too. I have Marvin Jones as a must-play as long as Stafford is out there because we won't have Carl Davis. I have TJ Hawkinson, of course, as a must-play at the tight end position. I know he only had two catches 16 yards last week. That was an anomaly when you go back for his last eight games, frankly. The targets have been there every single week. And again, as long as Stafford plays, Tampa Bay has not been a good has has not been a has been a good matchup for tight ends. Not a bad match against tight ends. Lost my train of thought there. A good matchup for tight ends to take advantage of. In the top ten for tight ends to take advantage of. So Hawkinson getting back on track. You can trust that. Don't move off of him because he had a disappointing performance last week and you're able to make it into your championship games. Don't overthink it. It's one of these dangerous situations when you start getting to the championship because you know it's only one week. Everything comes down to one week, one decision for each position. And you know that you know sometimes it doesn't matter who the guys are that got you there. And I understand that line of thinking in some situations. This isn't one of them. Don't overthink TJ Hawkinson. Unless somehow you have a, a Darren Waller or a Travis Kelsey or a Mark Andrews, as the only way that T.J. Hawkinson would not be in my lineup at the tight end position this week. The only way. Now, the guy I am worried about from a fantasy standpoint is DeAndre Swift. I have him ranked at RB25. It should come as no surprise. Regardless of all the woes the secondary of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has had, Regardless of the success that opponents have had throwing the football, they still have not had success running the ball with DeAndre Swift. Hasn't happened. Hasn't happened. So while Swift is going to get the majority of the work, and while he still has a floor because he consistently gets five targets a game, I'm not expecting a big ceiling out of him. Is he more a high-end RB3, low-end RB2, more of a flex play to me? Yeah. Does that mean he's still somebody who can be in your lineups? 100%. But keep in mind, you're playing him for his floor. You're playing him because you know he's going to be involved in the passing game. Not because you're expecting a lot of carries. Not because you're expecting a lot of efficiency, a lot of rushing yards. You're hoping for passing yards. And you're hoping that he continues to get those goal line touchdowns if they find themselves in that situation this week. But there is a lower ceiling when it comes to DeAndre Swift this week. Stafford himself is not in my streaming territory of quarterbacks either. The reason for that is because of what happened last week. While he had a decent game, 255 yards and a touchdown, the fact that he was pulled with over nine minutes left in the fourth quarter 
because they didn't want to expose him further because of the rib issue. That's what I'm worried about. Because Tampa Bay has a real opportunity here to come in and blow them out. We haven't talked about Tampa Bay side of the ball yet. We will. Tampa Bay has a real opportunity to come here and blow them out. If that happens, I would hate to have streamed Stafford in a matchup that on paper should be a great matchup, should be a streaming opportunity for Matthew Stafford. I would hate to stream him in that situation and then find out because they're down two or three scores heading into the fourth quarter that they again pull Matthew Stafford out from under you. He would have went for 300 yards and two touchdowns had he gotten to stay in that game against Tennessee last week. But because that can be a factor, you can't trust it. You can't. So he's not a streaming option. On the other side, we go to Tampa Bay. This is hard. Because ultimately speaking, you want to fire up everybody on Tampa Bay. Who, it's the Detroit Lions. Who are you afraid of? Nobody. Everybody can do well. We know Ronald Jones is not going to play this week. So it's going to be Leonard Fournette again. Leonard Fournette is the, probably the one player on Tampa Bay that I feel the most safe about. I have him as RB8. I have him as RB1. He had two touchdowns last week on inefficiency against a decent run defense in the Atlanta Falcons, who've been pretty much shutting down everybody's running backs. Well, the exact opposite is true for the Detroit Lions. They open up the floodgates for everybody. So not only do you have Leonard Fournette, who you know is going to get the goal line carries, you know is going to get the passing down work, now he has a game in which, even though he hasn't looked physically himself, really hasn't for a couple years now, he can still have plenty of running room. He can still be efficient in this game. So Leonard Fournette is an RB1, a must-play, and a potential championship winner for your teams this week against the Detroit Lions. Without a doubt. Outside of this where he gets tricky. Now, I have Mike Evans ranked as a wide receiver one because of, of the wide receivers of Tampa Bay, since Antonio Brown has joined, the exact opposite of what I thought was going to happen wound up coming true. I thought Mike Evans would wind up being the odd man out because I thought Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown interchanging that intermediate short part of the field with Tom Brady would get a lot of the targets, and Mike Evans could wind up being the odd man out. The exact opposite wound up being true. Brady has put an emphasis on targeting Mike Evans on the outside, and rightfully so, because a lot of, because you have Chris Godwin, because they have Antonio Brown, because they have Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans has a lot of one-on-ones on the outside. And instead of shying away from that, Tom Brady's targeted him. Now, he hasn't always been able to hit him, because he doesn't have the arm strength that he once used to have. But he's made a point to target him, not just in the red zone lately, but taking shots to him. So Evans is the one receiver of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where I know you're going to get a certain allotment of targets, no matter what happens. No matter what happens. And that's why I have him as a wide receiver one against Detroit, because you've got to love that matchup. You've got to love his chances for a touchdown. The problem is when you get into Chris Godwin and, to a lesser degree, Antonio Brown. I don't know how you're trusting to play Antonio Brown. I know it's the Detroit Lions. I know last week he had the big touchdown, but the target has not been there consistently. And you're going into this week, I have to think you have safer, better options than Antonio Brown right now this week, even against Detroit. So he doesn't come into my top three, my my wide receiver threes. He's outside my top 36. But the question is, where he becomes a factor is, where is Chris Godwin now? Where's the targets between the two? Which one of those is going to get the targets this week? Because if it does wind up being Antonio Brown then Chris Godwin, who I've ranked as a wide receiver too, is going to have a low floor. Now, he has had the second most targets on the team consistently. While the touchdowns haven't really been there, while the big plays haven't really been there, he's been solid for the most part, except for last week, where he bottomed out. Now, against Detroit, 
If you've been leaning on Chris Godwin as your wide receiver two, maybe your high-end wide receiver three, it's hard to imagine you would then bench him against the Detroit Lions. And I wouldn't. I have him at wide receiver 16. I wouldn't bench him. But I do recognize that there is a wide range of outcomes when it comes to a Chris Godwin right now because who knows offensively what Tampa Bay is going to do that day. They have games where they could attack any way they want to. They could attack with a running game or they could sit back, let Tom Brady throw the ball 45 times, let their offense go off. Here's the problem. There's been too many times this year where they find themselves in games like this and they wind up deciding we don't need Tom Brady to throw it a lot to win. And they could decide that in this game. But it's also why it's big for Tampa Bay that Matthew Stafford plays. Because if Matthew Stafford plays and all of a sudden the Detroit Lions offense, if they can move the ball consistently and keep this thing semi-close, that should open it up for Tom Brady, for Chris Godwin, for Mike Evans, for Leonard Fournette, and maybe even to a lesser degree Rob Gronkowski, who's been getting targeted a bunch, hasn't been executing, hasn't been producing, but has been getting targeted a bunch over the past few weeks. So that's where I'm going to play Evans. I'm going to play Godwin. Definitely playing Leonard Fournette. And I'm going to play Tom Brady as a QB1 this week. I have him in my top six. How could you not against the Detroit Lions who are allowing all quarterbacks to go off on them? The only question will be, do they actually go with the passing attack? Does Tampa Bay decide that they are going to allow the volume for Tom Brady to go off? Or are they going to come into this game and say, you know what, we're just going to kind of run it, maybe throw it 30 times and call it a day? Tampa Bay is the only obstacle from all of their fantasy-relevant players having big weeks for you this week. But you're playing all of them against Detroit. Let's move on. Let's talk about the second Saturday game. Let's talk about San Francisco and Arizona. We know Raheem Mostert's going to be out. He's done. So that means Jeff Wilson, who's not on the injury report anymore. There was some talk about him. You know, where where is he at? Did he hurt his hamstring? Did he hurt the ankle coming out of the game? Well, he came out practicing full. He's not even on the injury report anymore. So no concerns there about Jeff Wilson Jr. I have him as a result, a very high-end RB2. And the reason why I have him so high is, one, it's a decent matchup here against Arizona when running the football. But two, while, yes, you have to have some concerns about a Kyle Shanahan having a a Kevin Coleman having a Jarek McKinnon getting involved to some degree, here's what we know. When C.J. Bethard plays, they lean more heavily on a Jeff Wilson. Just look it up from this previous this year. Second of all, we know Kyle Shanahan has an affinity for Jeff Wilson this season. He will get the majority of the carries, even though if, even if it doesn't want to being 20 carries, he'll get the majority of the carries. And the last thing that we do know for sure is that Jeff Wilson's going to get the goal line carries. And that's where it solidifies him as a high-end RB2 because he's a very good opportunity to score a touchdown here against Arizona, if not two. So with no Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, to me, is a must-play in your lineups, especially this week, especially with C.J. Bethard, where they're going to lean probably even more heavily on the run. And if he's 100% ready to go and he's off the injury report, well, then I'm not worried about any limitations on Jeff Wilson himself. There's just there's that Shanahan factor, but it hasn't been as much of a factor with guys like Tevin Coleman and Jared McKinnon as of late. I know Jeff Wilson get the goal line carries, therefore I know I can play him. I know I can play Brandon Ayuk. I have him at wide receiver 18. He has a higher ceiling than that, of course, with the way he's been featured. Thing is, if he gets matched up against Patrick Peterson, Arizona secondary is decent enough where he might not go crazy. You know, he, did, he had a decent game against Dallas, not as big of a game, I think, as people were hoping for. He did touch the ball a lot, but didn't have as many big plays. But he comes in as a must-play wide receiver at wide receiver 18. He's a, he's a wide receiver, too. This is a matchup you want him in. 
The only thing that I'm a little bit hesitant on on why I think his ceiling might not be as large as it could have been is because you have to change at quarterback. He doesn't have a lot of time playing with C.J. Pathari. So that's the only reason I'm a little hesitant on it. But ultimately, you know he's going to touch the ball in multiple ways. The wild card here for the San Francisco 49ers is George Kittle. Now, on a side note, if you don't know this about the show, and I don't bring this up a ton because we stick to fantasy football, so I don't really bring up my own personal uh, team preferences, but I am a San Francisco 49er fan. And as a San Francisco 49er fan, I cannot for the life of me understand why George Kittle possibly playing this week is even on the table. Not playing for a playoff spot. There's only two games left in the season. It makes no sense in any shape, way, or form that George Kittle can even have the possibility of getting on the field. I don't care how hard he's lobbying to play. You gave this guy a contract extension. He's there for the long haul. This is a lost season with all the injuries they've had. Just go get healthy. Why bring out a guy who's coming off of a broken foot, play two meaningless games? Just go get healthy. Let's go get ready for next year. Now, that's just my gripe as a San Francisco 49er fan. Analyzing this from a fantasy perspective and the possibility, the real possibility that George Kittle actually does suit up. Everyone's asking, you know, what can I play him? Should I play him if he suits up? And my my response to you is that if you're looking to play him at the tight end position, if he plays, yeah. Is there going to be a wide range of outcomes? 100%. There's going to be a wide range of outcomes because his first game back Will he be limited? Will they actually let him fully play? How effective is he going to be? How fast is he going to be? That's all going to be. That's all going to be uh, situations. Going to be things you're going to have to variables you're going to have to consider. One hundred percent. But having said that, it's George Kittle, and if he's starting, if he's playing against the Arizona Cardinals, with the way the tight end landscape has been. I can't imagine you have a tight end available to you who has a bigger ceiling. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. I mean, outside of Brandon Ayuk, it would stand to reason that George Kittle would be the other featured passing weapon, especially in the red zone, if nothing else. So if he's out there and he's starting, yeah, I have George Kittle in my top six if he plays this week. Again, wide range of outcomes, but again, I would be hard-pressed to find too many teams out there who actually have a better option to be able to turn to. So George Kittle in your championship weeks could be a champion savior at the tight end position very easily. Because again, outside of Brain Ayuk, they don't have anybody to really go to the ball with the ball with consistently down the field. It makes no sense to me. It's absolutely cray cray. 
But you want to talk about tight ends who have touchdown capabilities against Arizona? Yeah, George Kittle would be that guy. So if he goes, I'm playing him, oddly enough. Now on the Arizona Cardinals side of the ball, if you're a Kyler Murray owner and you were struggling but you were able to get to this point, Kyler Murray probably got you over the hump into the championship game. And I have his QB3 on the week. San Francisco's defense, I mean, it's been banged up all year, but it's even its even banged up again. Kyle, uh, Richard Sherman's banged up with the calf issue right now. Their pass rush has been inconsistent. Their secondary play has been inconsistent. And most importantly, overall, amongst anything, is that Kyler Murray, last week for the first time since that Seattle Thursday night game, actually looks healthy. The first time since then he actually looks healthy. He was actually throwing the ball down the field with confidence. There was zip on the ball when he was able to step into the pass. He was not afraid to run around, which means he wasn't afraid to take a hit, which means he's probably feeling pretty good. So what you've been waiting for, which is Kyler Murray to please get healthy, he came through. And it looks like he's ready to be back and help people win a championship, and I have him as a top-three quarterback without a doubt. Without a doubt. That's great news also for DeAndre Hopkins, who's finally been back to his DeAndre Hopkins ways when you needed it most. Because he went on that cold streak along with Kyler Murray during that time. Now all of a sudden they've gotten back to, you know what, we're making sure DeAndre Hopkins gets double-digit targets. We're making sure he's getting the ball in every conceivable way. We're making sure he's lining up on the perimeter. We're making sure he's lining up in the slot. We're making sure he's getting open on pick plays in the red zone. He's a true featured wide receiver again. DeAndre Hopkins is the guy who's going to also carry you. He's going to be a wide receiver one. I haven't wide receiver five on the week. I don't care if Richard Sherman plays or not. There's nobody in the secondary that could take away a DeAndre Hopkins on the San Francisco 49ers. None. Now, Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds, that's where things get a little bit interesting. Chase Edmonds didn't practice yesterday, I believe, but he is expected to play. It's a maintenance management thing. For that matter, DeAndre Hopkins didn't practice yesterday either. I don't even bring that up anymore because he only practices one day a week at this point anyway. Kenyon Drake's an RB3. Chase Edmonds is an RB3. Now, their usage last week was interesting because you had they were basically in a 50-50 timeshare with Chase Edmonds being the more efficient back. And when also when you add in the fact that regardless of the San Francisco 49ers defense falling off a little bit as of late, it's still a tough team to run on. Yes, Tony Pollard had a big fantasy day last week, but remember, most of his efficient numbers came through the passing attack, and outside of one big run, he basically had 10 carries for 29 yards. So... On a, for the most part, he was inefficient in that game. It's still hard to run on the San Francisco defense. So I'm a little worried about a floor of a Kenyon Drake. I actually might like the floor of a Chase Edmonds a little bit more because if last week was any indication, he'll continue to get more of the passing down work. And that's where, as you saw with Tony Pollard last week, that's where you can attack, the, attack this 49ers defense with the running back is when you get them involved in the passing game. But again, they're nothing more than RB3s. So if I could go in a different direction, I don't have huge ceilings this week. So if I can go in a different direction, I might. But I'm not considering them anything more than a flex play this week. Let's move into our last Saturday game. It'll be la- it'll be the Saturday night game. That'll be the Dolphins, Las Vegas Raiders. The Vegas Raiders, they're going to have Marcus Mariota at the starting quarterback position. Could the storyline of Orion Tannehill come true? Probably not. Probably not, because had this been had Derek Carr picked up this groin injury, let's say week eight, week nine, and Mariota was then able to start an entire second half of the season and played similar to how he played against the Chargers when he came in, because he actually looked pretty good and he played pretty well in that game coming in for him. 
If he plays like, if he was able to play like that for a longer stretch of time, this could have turned into a Ryan Tannehill situation. I, I, I think there's a possibility, but because it's happening now at this point in the season, where he's only going to get two starts, I don't think it's enough time to really say it's going to turn into a Ryan Tannehill situation. Now, but as far as this week is concerned, Marcus Mariota is a top twelve quarterback for me. I have him as QB eleven, meaning I have him as one of the top streamers to be able to go to this week. The reason, and it shouldn't be surprising, the reason for that being the rushing ability. He looked to use his legs during that game against the Chargers. I would expect that the game plan for the Raiders this week with John Gruden, with knowing that he's got a Marcus Mariota, would be to build the offense around RPO action. Could this turn into a Jalen Hurts situation? I think there's a possibility. I think there's a real possibility that that could happen here. Remember Jalen Hurts' first game against the Saints? It was a tough defense. He used his legs. It wasn't overly great passing, but he used his legs and was a great fantasy option. Marcus Mariota doing something similar to the Miami Dolphins is very much on the table here, especially with it being in Las Vegas, which I think does help a lot. So I'm going with the floor that Mariota brings with his legs, and if he gives you anything decent passing, that's just gravy on top. It's not the matchup that you would necessarily want to feel really good about, but again, because of his rushing ability, because I expect his offense to revolve around RPO, I like Marcus Mariota quite a bit as a top 12 quarterback this week. I think you can play him. Josh Jacobs is an RB2, and I think he has RB1 upside. The Dolphins haven't been, you know, they haven't been a great matchup. They're about middle of the pack when it comes to the running back, when it comes to the running game. They're much better against the passing attack. They're much better creating turnovers and you know and generating pass rush and stuff like that. But if you run right at them, you can have some success. So I have Josh Jacobs in RB2. The offensive line hasn't been playing well. Now, they're back healthy with Trent Brown. They have been for the past couple of weeks. They still haven't been opening up holes the way that you thought they would with the talent that they have, with the girth that they have up front. So it's been a little bit disappointing. I wouldn't expect against the Miami Dolphins that they would suddenly turn that around. But... Having Marcus Mariota and building a game plan, again, around RPO action does tend to open things up with a mobile quarterback for the running back. So while he's a solid RB2 and you're definitely playing him, I do believe that there is upside here for Josh Jacobs to get in the top 12 territory and maybe be a low-end RB1 this week. There might be a few extra running lanes than there would be. The great thing about Josh Jacobs is that we're not worried about him at all when it comes to his injuries, like he's picking up a little bit and he picked up a knee injury, picked up an ankle injury. He's expected to be fine for this game. He's not even listed on the injury report right now. So Josh Jacobs will actually play in this game because that's something you'd be concerned about. If he picked up an injury, or had a re-aggravation of anything with the Raiders basically being knocked out of the playoffs now, you had the question, would they definitely play him? But it sounds like he's going to be good to go. So Jacobs, you can fire him up with confidence. Darren Waller, obviously he's my tight end too. He's an automatic tight end, too, behind Travis Kelsey every single week, no matter who, what the matchup is. So the only other question with the Raiders, are you going to play or not play this player, is Nelson Aguilar. I have him at wide receiver 40, so I have him just outside my wide receiver 3 territory. He did get quite a few targets with Marcus Mariota in there, and I do think he will. Because with Mariota coming in, building off the RPO action, I think he's going to have one and two reads. And his one and two reads are going to be Darren Waller and then Nelson Aguilar. So I think the targets will be there. The targets have been there for Aguilar. It's just a matter of does he hit on that big play or not. I don't love the matchup here against the Miami Dolphins. So Aguilar would fall into that category of an ultimate boomer bust option where he either gets the big play or he doesn't. And the only reason why I even bring his name up, because normally I wouldn't bring him up in a championship week when you're a boomer bust option in a bad matchup, 
But if you look at Aguilar's, you know, games so far this season and you examine what were the games where he actually made that big play and went off and was fantasy relevant? Well, it actually, it normally happened in the games you didn't expect it to. It normally happened in the games that were not good matchups for the wide receiver heading into it on paper. Those were usually the games where he actually wound up making that big play. So that's only the reason why I put him on my radars, why I put him at wide receiver 40 this week, because of the targets, because of his big playability within this offense, because of Marcus Mariota, I think it's going to be very simplified between Darren Waller and Nelson Aguilar where the targets are going to go. And the fact that it's been the tougher defenses that he's had his bigger games against, that's why he becomes on my boom-bust radar. But again, I think you'll have a better option, at least a safer option than a Nelson Aguilar. But that's just, if you need somebody to take a ceiling shot and he's the only thing available to you, he could be that option. It's the only reason I bring him up. On the Dolphins side of the ball, the fantasy relevancy gets really solidified. So Miles Gaskin's going to play. I expect Miles Gaskin to be the lead back. I think Savan Ahmed is going to have his touches. He's going to have his work within the offense. And basically, the way I expect this to happen is I think Miles Gaskin will edge Ahmed out in carries and will be the leader in the passing game, while Ahmed might get the goal line carries and have his own work as well, be involved in the rotation. I do have Gaskin as an RB2 because at the end of the day, this is the Raiders we're talking about. And they will have Jonathan Abram, which they're a little bit better against throwing when Jonathan Abram's in the lineup. But because it's the Raiders, even if Gaskin loses out to some goal line work to Ahmed, even if he doesn't necessarily have the same touchdown potential he would normally have when he's been just the bell cow back for most of the season, because of his involvement in the passing game, because his numbers rushing should be efficient in this game, I think he's still an RB2. But I am a little bit worried because he's going to have to get that yardage because I am not confident that he gets the goal line carries. I think that might go to Ahmed. And I'm not playing Ahmed, though, because you're playing, you would be playing him for a touchdown or bust, in, in my opinion, heading into this matchup. Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, Mike Kosicki, we're still waiting to see if these guys are going to be active. They're practicing in limited capacity, but they also did that last week, and ultimately they wound up being inactive for that game it would still be a quick return for all three of those guys if they were able to get fired up this week. Which is the other reason why I go back to Miles Gaskin being an RB2, because they might have another situation where they have to lean on the running game a lot again, so the volume might be there, ultimately speaking. We'll wait and see. If Parker plays, I have him as a wide receiver 37 on the week, so just outside the wide receiver 3, more of a high-end wide receiver 4. It's a good matchup against the Raiders, so that's why he's even as high as he is, because I don't like the targets that he's gotten since Tua has taken over. And again, I think you'd probably have a better option. Mike Isecki would be in my top 12 tight ends this week, because he has been a touchdown hog since Tua has taken over, and it's a good matchup against the Raiders here. So if he does play, he would be a top 12 tight end. He would be an option I think you can turn to. But again, these are guys I am highly questionable on being able to go into the week. So something you'll have to keep your eyes on. What we're going to do now, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get into the Sunday games. Now that we got out of the Christmas Day and the Saturday games, we're getting into the Sunday games right after these messages. So stay tuned. We have a lot more championship talk on the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 
You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. Also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. And we're going through our holiday specials, a two-hour show today. We're going on to all the way to 2 o'clock because we're previewing all of the Week 16 games because we're not going to be here tomorrow because it's... Christmas Day, and like the rest of you, I want to spend the day with my family, but it doesn't mean I don't want to leave before making sure that you guys are set, prepared, and ready to go for your championship weeks, because this is what we worked for. All the blood, sweat, and tears of setting your lineups, making the wrong decisions, agonizing over rankings, and lineups, and start sit and waiver wire pickups, and all of the, all the sacrifices, the trades, the everything, all the punishment that we've taken on the message boards, all of it has led to this point. This is what it's been all about. This is what this show is all about, helping you get to this point. So, of course, I'm going to make sure that you guys are good to go before the holidays kick off in full force. And we've been having a great show so far today. We, we've already previewed the first four games of the week, which was the Friday, Christmas Day game, three Saturday games. But now we get to move into the Sunday games. Now we get to move into the Atlanta Falcons and the Kansas City Chiefs. Unfortunately, we don't expect Julio Jones to play. Wouldn't expect Julio Jones to come back at all. There's another player who's been lobbying like crazy to come back. Another player who makes zero sense for it to even happen. Don't expect to see him out there. The Chiefs are a bad matchup for perimeter wide receivers. However, Calvin Ridley has been a star receiver this season. Plain and simple. So even in a bad matchup, with no Julio Jones. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, I get it. I used to be the one planning my day around finding a bathroom and living in fear of an accident. I tried the pills and pads, but they just weren't working for me. If you're living like I was, it's time to find an expert physician and ask them about Axonics therapy. It's not another drug, it's an advanced therapy that is proven to provide lasting relief for overactive bladder. Still not sure? You can even try it first to make sure it works for you. You're not alone and you don't have to put up with this anymore. You just have to take the first step towards finding real relief. Visit findrealrelief.com to find a bladder specialist. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonics therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. I expect Calvin really to be a wide receiver 12. Now, last week was the first week that Julio Jones has not played and Matt Ryan was able to have a good game. The offense was able to have a good game. That's the first time all season long that that's happened when Julio Jones has not been in the lineup. I'm going to go with that being an anomaly. When you have one outcome in a set of circumstances that went one direction compared to all the other six games, I believe it is now, without Julio Jones or a banged-up Julio Jones in the lineup, you go with that anomaly. Meaning, Matt Ryan's not a streaming guy. Meaning, Hayden Hurst is outside my top 12. Meaning, 
Calvin Ridley is the only Atlanta Falcon that I want to play for a fantasy standpoint at a championship game. The Chiefs' defense right now is better, especially in the passing game, than Tampa Bay. They are. I don't expect Matt Ryan to have two good games back-to-back with no Julio Jones. I just don't. That was the first time all year it's even happened last week. Do I expect him to be good enough to get the ball to Calvin Ridley to be a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two? Yeah, 100%. Calvin's been good no matter what the offense has been doing. No matter who the matchup has been. So while it's a tough one here against the Chiefs, the targets, the floor, consistency, the touchdowns, that'll be there. But that's it. That's all I want to play. I don't want to play Russell Gage. Definitely don't want to play the running back situation. I don't even know what's going on over there right now. Todd Gurley's not the starter. It's Edo Smith, and even Edo Smith's not even worked in. He's nothing. There's no running back to be had in Atlanta. And again, I think you can find... I have, I have Hurst at tight end 14, so I think you can find 13 better options than Hayden Hurst this week. Meaning you should probably go in a different direction. And on the Chiefs side of the ball, it's almost just as simple, but just in the opposite direction. Patrick Mahomes, again, QB1. Uh, you know, pretty much been my QB1 for the last month now. Tyreek Hill, this is the first time in a few weeks he's my wide receiver too. And that's because he's dealing with a hamstring injury. He didn't practice yesterday. The expectation is he's going to play. It didn't sound like there was much concern from Andy Reid or the team or Tyreek Hill himself in general. But he has been, it seems like the last few weeks he's been dealing with a little bit of a nagging, tightening hamstring issue. Doesn't mean he won't go crazy bananas against the Atlanta Falcons secondary. Doesn't mean he can't finish the wide receiver one. I just, I have Devontae Adams a little ahead of him. We'll talk about that later. That shouldn't be, you know, a big surprise. But, you know, Tyreek Hill is having a, a career year. He is. Against the Atlanta Falcons in your championship game, you can't ask for much more than that. Travis Kelsey, too. Tight end one. has been tight end one pretty much every single week. So that becomes straightforward, too. Now, I think the question becomes with the Chiefs now, no Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So where's Le'Veon Bell? Against the Atlanta Falcons, who have been tough on running backs, playing on the Chiefs, who haven't necessarily always utilized the running backs, do you play Le'Veon Bell? I have him at RB21. So I have him as a low-end RB2, so I do have him as somebody that would be playing. I go back and forth whether I feel like ultimately that's a bit high or not, but the point would remain this. At the very least, Le'Veon Bell would certainly be a flex option for me. He gets the goal line work when they decide to run it in. They threw the ball to him a few times. I do expect Darrell Williams to be involved in this game, but he's the lead running back on an offense that scores a ton of points. Ultimately, that guy can at least be plugged into your lineup as a flex option. And a high-end one at that, because he'll be a lead running back. So, Yes. Is there a low floor possibly because the way the Chiefs have utilized the running back plus it's Atlanta? Sure. Do I expect him to have a lot of rushing yards? No. Do I think he's going to be involved? Do I think he's going to get four to five targets in the passing game? Yes. Do I think he has a decent shot at a touchdown? Yes. And that's why ultimately he becomes a high-end flex play, a low-end RB2 that you can play. But we don't need to talk about that game much more than that because it's pretty straightforward. We do need to get into the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. So again, we talked about Jedward Willis for the Browns. He's not going to be Available for this game because he just got put on the COVID list now. So there's, I don't see what I don't see how he winds up being activated for this game. Even if it was just a high risk contact, they didn't they didn't specify one way or another. But even if he was just a high risk, you need five days. Being that he get put on it today, he won't he won't be able to make it. So between that and the fact their offensive line's been banged up, Hubbard's done for the year now too. After last week, it makes it a little concerning against the Jets. You would think on paper because the Jets have been pretty decent against the run, except for 
the Jets are not going to have Keenan Williams, which pretty much makes that front seven of the Jets. The only, the only reason why that front seven of the Jets has even been tolerable, especially when it comes to the running game, is because Quinn Williams has that ability to just blow up the line of scrimmage. Without Williams, I don't care what the offensive line the Cleveland Browns looks like this week. Their rushing attack is going to be open. They're not going to be as efficient against it. The Cleveland Browns, offensively, because they're so physically tough, they're not finesse. They're not zone-predicated. They're not check-down oriented. They're not play at the line of scrimmage like the, the Rams were, which I think kind of played into the hands of the Jets last week on top of it being kind of a trap game because they had Seattle coming up. The Browns right now are in a situation where they know, like, hey, with the Steelers losing to the Bengals last week, there's a real shot for the division here. There's a real shot for the division here. And I also like their attitude they had this entire week where they say, we're not going to take the Jets lightly. And again, without Quinn and Williams, you're going to see a bad Jets defense go to worse. If you can believe it or not. You're going to see them go to worse. Nick Chubb is a RB1 for me. Kareem Hunt is an RB27. He's still somebody I think you have to play at least in your flex position. I know it's been ugly outside of the Baltimore game as of late, but he still gets involved. He still gets the touches that, frankly, he gets the same amount of touches as some of these other running backs that you, you have ranked higher. You have playing higher. You have more confidence in. Against the Jets with no Quinn and Williams, with a Browns offense that should be able to do whatever it wants to, I expect both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to have good games in this one. I expect Nick Chubb to be an RB1. I expect them ultimately to have more success than they did last week against the New York Giants. I think that's the bottom line. Baker Mayfield is a streaming quarterback for me this week. He's, he's in my top 10. He's number 10 for me on the week. Not only has he been on fire, but because the Browns now enter this stratosphere where they just have this reputation of this physical running game of being able to run it down your throat, all of a sudden, the play-action pass is open for the Browns before they ever even take a snap in the first quarter. Because you know what teams are trying to gun for. They're going to try to slow down the rushing attack if they can first. And the Browns, now that Baker Mayfield is on fire and seems more comfortable in this offense and is getting some continuity with a healthier Jarvis Landry and a Rashard Higgins who's starting to come on as a nice deep option for this team, play-action's been there. And Baker's been playing confidently. And it's the Jets. He's a top 10 quarterback. He's a streaming option in a championship week. The only thing I would be worried about is if the Browns are able to dominate this game with their defense and the running game. And therefore, they wind up throwing the ball 22 times and calling it a day. That's the only thing I'm worried about when it comes to Baker Mayfield. But he is a streaming option to me and one that I would trust in my championship week with the way he has been playing. Because... I mean, even if he throws the ball only 22 times, because the play-action pass has been so wide open for them, because he's actually been taking shots to Rashard Higgins, he might not need much more than that anyway. So I do like Baker this game, and obviously as a result of that, I like Jarvis Landry a lot as a high-end wide receiver too. I even like Rashard Higgins as a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three, who has big play upside in this game against the New York Jets, given his role, given how Baker's been playing, given how his offense has been playing, and given his matchup. Rashard Higgins is a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three, that if you're looking to take a shot on somebody, I'm good with it. He's been involved. They've, they've isolated this offense, the majority of this targets, down to Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins, and it's been going very, very effectively. I think you can play anybody. Anybody who's fantasy-relevant, you can play, and that includes Austin Hooper, who's been finding the end zone. 
I have him as a top 10 tight end this week. Every single Cleveland Brown can be plugged into your lineup. And probably should be. On the Jets side of things? Nope. It's your championship week. The only player who is even somewhat fantasy relevant on any consistent basis with Jamison Crowder, and even as of late because of his injuries, he hasn't been a thing either. Denzel Ward's back for the Browns. Miles Garrett's getting healthier. He's been playing, but he seems he's getting further and further away from the COVID issues that he's had. It's your championship week. You're not playing anybody on the New York Jets. So let's move on. Let's talk about the Colts and the Steelers. This is going to be a very interesting game. So you have the Steelers coming off of that. I don't even know. I don't, I don't even want to call it a performance. I don't know what that was on Monday Night Football. That was a travesty is what that was. You're going against the Colts. Now you're in Pittsburgh, but you're going against the Colts. Much better team, BTW. Much better defense. On fire as of late, too, on a winning streak. Steelers look like they're going in the opposite direction in every facet of this game. It's hard to make out exactly what the Steelers are going to do. Because I don't know if they can fix it. I don't know if they can fix it because I don't know when or if Ben Roethlisberger is going to be healthy again this season. It's become so apparently obvious that he is so banged up. They don't want to have him in anything besides shotgun. They don't want Ben Roethlisberger to have to back up. They want him to be able to snap the ball, set his feet, and throw it. Which is what's hurting the running game. Because they're always lined up out of shotgun. And James Conner and Benny Snell are not shotgun-type running backs. The offensive line's been horrendous. The offensive line got pushed around like a bunch of ragdolls from the Cincinnati Bengals. What do you think Buckner and the Colts' defensive line is going to do? It's hard to trust anything out of the Steelers right now. The only person I'm trusting is Deontay Johnson. Because, again, he is the number one receiver. He's definitely made the adjustments from dropping the footballs. I am not worried about him getting benched. I think last week should have showed you that. He made the appropriate adjustments. He's conscious of it. I don't think he's going to get benched again. And he won't get benched in this game. It's too important of a game because Steelers have to get back on track. And he's been the best, most reliable wide receiver of the Steelers. So I'm not worried about that aspect of it. Eric Ebron has to be an option, even though I don't love the matchup, but because it looks like he's going to be able to play and he came back from what looked like a horrible back injury, but it sounds like it wound up not being nearly as bad as it looked like on the field. I think you still have to play Eric Ebron as a top 12 tight end this week. Outside of that, I don't know who else you want to play. Technically, I have Juju Smith-Schuster ranked as wide receiver 32, so I have him as a wide receiver 3, and that's more because you know we're in half point when we talk about our rankings, and if you're in full point... He gets 78 receptions. <laughs> whether it goes for 20 yards or 60 yards is more of the question here. Whether he's actually getting get a touchdown is more of the question here. And those things uh, haven't been really promising, and I don't expect them to be super promising against the Colts here. But what I will say is this. We saw guys like Kuti and other slot receivers have success against the Indianapolis Colts so far this season because you can attack them with a slot receiver. Well, I mean, that, Juju Smith-Schuster has been playing almost, almost 100% from the slot. So he does have the best mismatch when it comes to these Steeler wide receivers. I expect him to have a decent floor. The targets will be there. The receptions will be there. So that's why he still comes in as a wide receiver three for me this week. Deontay Johnson being a, also being a wide receiver three, but a high-end wide receiver three because he gets a little bit further down the field. He has a better shot at a touchdown when it comes to the three receivers right now with the way they've been playing. You're not playing a Chase Claypool. Obviously, you're not playing a James Washington. 
And even James Conner, who's practicing in full, he'll be back this week. I have him as an RB3, and even then, if I could find a better option, I would. If you were able to pick up a Jeff Wilson off the waiver wire, if you were able to pick up a Daryl Henderson off the waiver wire, I'm playing both of those guys ahead of a James Conner this week. If I can avoid having to play him, I will, because I don't see this Colts defense losing the battle at the line of scrimmage against this Steelers offensive line right now. There's just no way. There's no way. So Deontay Johnson, Eric Ebron, maybe Juju Smith-Schuster, depending on what lineup rush construction options you have. That's it. And even then, I'm not expecting high ceilings here. And on the Colts side of things, you know, you have to play Jonathan Taylor. He's been on fire. But I do have him as RB23. While, yes, Genomai Bernard, from a fantasy standpoint, had a good game last week. And it's Genomai Bernard in the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, that game, if you didn't watch it, and I don't blame you if you didn't, because it wasn't a fun game to watch. If I didn't do this show, I wouldn't have watched it myself. But if you watch that game, it, the Steelers constantly turned the ball over and put the Bengals essentially in instant red zone opportunities throughout that game which is a big reason why it led to, one, them winning, but two, Gina Bernard being able to have the game that he did. One, they gave him 25 carries. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Oh, sit here. Thanks. Hey, I saw you give up your seat for the woman with the oxygen tank. Another way to show her your good side? Donate at Griffles Plasma, because she also relies on plasma-based medicines. Find a center at grifflesplasma.com. You can receive up to $800 this month. He had all the receiving work. He was a bell cow in every sense of the word. It wasn't efficient, but he was able to get the end zone twice. So that's where you do have a silver lining because you saw Gina Bernard have success. But it wasn't efficient success. So I don't expect Jonathan Taylor to come in here and be the guy he's been for the past few weeks, which is this RB1, a big play guy. I don't expect that. And in fact, I'm a little bit fearful because I do think Naeem Hines might have a bigger role in a game like this because you could see the Colts coming in with the game plan of we're going to spread the Steelers out because they also have a veteran quarterback who's not healthy right now in Phillip Rivers. We all know he's going to need toe surgery after the season's over. They don't want him having to move around too much either. The Steelers, you know, they're still going to get a pass rush on defense. That's not going away. So their game plan, I could very easily see it being, let's get in the shotgun, let's spread them out, let's get a quick passing game going. So I'm a little bit fearful that Naeem Hines plays a little bit more in this game. But you still have to play Jonathan Taylor. He's been getting 20 carries. He should be getting the goal line work. The big thing that you are confident in is that Jordan Wilkins is not a thing anymore. So even if Naeem Hines does play a little bit more, Jonathan Taylor should still lead the way, ultimately, when it comes to touches out of the backfield. Not a great matchup here. Going to be a more of a low-end RB2 than the higher-end RB2, the borderline RB1 than he's been the past few weeks, but still a must-play in your lineups. T.Y. Hilton is the interesting one here to me. Now, I have his wide receiver 39 when it comes to the half-point PPR leagues. The perimeter wide receiver has had success against the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. Even last week, he didn't go off against Houston like maybe you're hoping he would. 
similar to the first week. But he still had 76 yards, still had a big play in there. He's still tied with Zach Pascal for the most targets on the team. It just happened to be that Pascal wound up with the two touchdowns. It could have easily been one touchdown to Hilton. It could have easily gone the other way. And then he would have had the big game. Going back, watching that game, what I saw was that Hilton is still very much a featured part of this offense. Michael Pittman is becoming more and more into the background, which is surprising being he was a rookie. He was coming on strong. It looked like maybe he was starting to take the lead, but he's, he's faded more into the distance. This is not a Michael Pittman type of game. This is a T.Y. Hilton type of game. This is a tight end type of game. It's a Naeem Hines type of game. The perimeter receiver has had success against the Steelers, even when their defense has been top-notch this season. He's still a wide receiver three. There's still a low floor here. Because if, the, if they do ultimately go super quick passing game, I don't know how much T.Y. Hilton gets involved. They have to still be able to take shots down the field for me to feel good about Hilton. So that's why he still has a lower floor. But he has just as high of a ceiling as he's had the past few weeks. And being that he's been trending in this direction, he's been on tear as of late, I find myself more willing to trust the T.Y. Hilton. So I think you can play him. He's a, I would classify him as a boom or bust option in your lineups heading into this week. But I think he's a guy you can play. Outside of that, that's it. I mean, you're, not tr- you're not trusting the tight ends. Who knows which one's going to get the ball? There's not a second pass catcher here. So it's T.Y. Hilton. It's Jonathan Taylor. And I don't think I'm touching anything else in the Colts. Let's move into Carolina and Washington. Let's move into the revenge of Ron Rivera. First and foremost on the Carolina side of things, the, the door that seemed to get opened early on this week, which was Christian McCaffrey, the possibility that was Christian McCaffrey really going to come back for the championship weeks for fantasy football? Because, I mean, it, what other reason would he be coming back for? He's not coming back for the playoffs for Carolina. He already has his big contract, so he's not coming back for incentives in his, his, his money for the year. I was ready. To, I was ready to say, tell every fantasy owner out there, you have to send a fruit basket to Chris McCaffrey because the only reason he's coming back is to win you a fantasy football championship. That's it. But not going to happen. Doubtful. We're not going to see him. Matt Rule had seemingly opened the door just to shut the door. So it's going to be Mike Davis again against Washington. Not a great matchup here. But what I will say is that Mike Davis still has to be considered a low-end RB2 because he will get the volume of the work. They've gotten back to him being the bell cow since McCaffrey's been out over the past few weeks. He has a decent floor because you know he'll be involved in the passing game, ultimately speaking. I don't expect him to be efficient on the running game. You're going to hope that he falls into the end zone on the goal line situation. But he does have a decent floor because of the passing game. So he is an RB2 option against Washington. Just don't expect a high ceiling, that's all. The interesting thing is the wide receivers. What can you expect out of them? And I'm, I'm not a fan of Washington's secondary. They don't scare me in any kind of capacity. I think you can play a DJ Moore. I think you can play a Robbie Anderson. Curtis Samuel, I'm probably not going to play him in my championship weeks. There's too many times where he's the odd man out. This wide receiver group in, in a, as a whole, especially over the last four weeks, has been inconsistent as far as which one actually gets to be the, the guy that particular week. I mean, it used to be every week you knew Robbie Anderson was going to have a certain amount of targets. It was just a matter of did DJ Moore have a big play or not as far as him being the top receiver from a fantasy perspective on the team. It's just it's so hit or miss now with how they're going. And, and DJ Moore came out. He was the guy who was the big winner last week against the Green Bay Packers. It could go in a million different directions. But ultimately, I have DJ Moore and I have Robbie Anderson as low-end wide receiver twos. I know Anderson has had a rough few weeks here. 
ultimately he's still been the number one target for this team overall. If you've been trusting Robbie Anderson to this place to be that wide receiver two, that wide receiver three for you to this point, I still think you could play him against Washington. They're going to have to get the ball out on the perimeter in this game. They're not going to be able to beat him up. They're going to have to spread Washington out. They're going to have to get him out in the perimeter, which means I like the quick passing game, quick screen games to a Robbie Anderson, to a DJ Moore. So I don't expect high ceilings in this one because this is going to be a tough match because Washington's defense. But I do think there's a safe enough floor here where you can look at them as wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes. That's it. I'm not playing anybody else in Carolina. And Washington, I'm sticking with J.D. McKissick. It's a, it's a good match against Carolina, number one. McKissick, surprisingly enough, he hasn't just led the way in reception since Antonio Gibson's been out. He's been the main ball carrier. It hasn't been Peyton Barber. It's J.D. McKissick's been a bell cow, essentially. Now, when they get in the goal line, they're going to turn to Barber. But volume is the name of the game, especially when it comes to the perceptions. And J.D. McKissick's been the guy. I have him as a solid RB2 in this game against Carolina Panthers. I don't care if it's Dwayne Haskins or Alex Smith playing. And I know there's been some news about Dwayne Haskins. Will he be eligible to play? Got you know, got pinned at a strip club and everything like that. Look, it sounds like he was practicing. He was getting the first team reps. It sounds like it's going to be Dwayne Haskins this week, maybe not Alex Smith. But last week proved that it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. J.D. McKissick now being the lead back, the volume's there in both the rushing and the passing game. You play him as an RB2 against Carolina Panthers. Terry McLaurin is a must play. He's a wide receiver 10 Kind of got back on track last week. I know everyone was kept making... As I, I couldn't understand this. Everybody was making this big deal like, oh, well, Dwayne Haskins out there. I don't know. I don't know how much you can trust Terry McLaurin. I was like, that makes no sense. Terry McLaurin was a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two for the majority of the season with Dwayne Haskins as the quarterback. He's been that no matter who the quarterback has been for Washington. But he didn't have less success with Haskins than he did with any of the other quarterbacks in Washington this season. In fact, he actually gets targeted down the field more often when Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback. So I actually like McLaurin a little bit more for his ceiling potential when Haskins is the one throwing him the football. Now, he's a little banged up right now, Terry McLaurin, that is, but we do expect him to play. So we're not worried about him missing this game and being inactive. The one surprise that came out of last week while watching Haskins in this this Washington offense was that Logan Thomas, who did not have good production when Haskins was the quarterback earlier this season. Definitely not consistent with the targets. Was targeted on almost what seemed like every other play last week. The guy had 13 targets last week, went over 100 yards. So all of a sudden now, Logan Thomas, no matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins, is now a playable option. And that's not something I thought I was going to be saying last week. Like I said, with, with Haskins at quarterback, Logan Thomas wasn't seeing a ton of targets. He wasn't becoming the guy that people thought he could be, which is that sleeper tight end. Now, I don't know if Haskins has just been watching Alex Smith closely the past few weeks, or I don't know if they got in his ear and say, hey, you know what, you got to target the crap out of Logan Thomas, whatever the case may be, but now you have a little bit more of assurance that no matter who the quarterback is, Thomas is going to be a thing. And against Carolina Panthers, I want the top two pass catchers of the Washington team, which is going to be Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas. So Logan Thomas is the top 12 tight end one for me this week that you can definitely play and continue to keep in your lineups and play with confidence. Let's take a quick break. Come back. We still have more games to preview. We do not have a mailbag segment today because, again, we just had the jam-packed show because we're previewing all of these games. 
We are going on for an extra half hour, so don't worry. We have plenty of time to go through this contact, but we're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side, talk about some more preview games, talk about some more championship opportunities for you guys. So everyone, please stay tuned on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network right after this. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back, MD Nation, to this holiday special, this Week 16 Championship Preview on the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're about halfway through our previews for the Week 16 Championship. We're going on an extension here all the way to 2 o'clock on the two-hour special because we won't be back here tomorrow. We won't be back again until Monday. We go to the Sunday afternoon recap. We'll talk about Week 17 for those amateur hour leagues out there. But the most important thing is this week for the championship games. We're getting through them. And I actually, on the break here, have to hit this breaking news sounder on something we literally just talked about right before we went to break. Breaking news. Terry McLaurin did not practice again today for the second day in a row. So this is, becomes a little bit more concerning than what it was when we were just talking about it initially, because he's been consistently missing practices on Wednesdays. That's not anything new. He's been listed kind of he's been dealing with an ankle issue. Uh, he's been able to play through it ever since. the the uh, The notion, the 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 tone right now around him is that he's still expected to ultimately be able to go this Sunday, even with missing practice today. But we will have to see if he's able to practice tomorrow and or Saturday in any capacity to be assured that he will be available. Again, if he's out there, I'm still playing him as a wide receiver 10. That doesn't change anything, but we are a little bit, maybe a little bit more concerned about his availability uh, than we were a couple minutes ago when we were just talking about Terry McLaurin there before the break. Now, moving on. And to the Chicago Bears and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, we'll just start with the Jaguars because it's real simple. All you want to know, does James Robinson play or not? He's not going to practice. He wants to play. He's lobbying to play. It was it looked like a pretty decent ankle injury that he had. James Robinson at this point, I think, has asserted himself as someone who's going to be in the future plans of this team. I don't see why the Jaguars, who would benefit more from losing would push James Robinson out there. I just don't see why they would do it. So he might lobby all he wants to do, but I would be surprised if you saw James Robinson come out. So I'm leaning towards him more not being available. And if he's not available, then there's nobody of fantasy relevancy on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not DJ Chark, not Keelan Cole, not Lefkowitz or Chenault. We don't even know yet who's going to be the starting quarterback because they have Mike Lennon and Gardner Minshew splitting, uh, splitting snaps at the first team reps right now. It's going to be a mess. Plus, you're going against the Chicago Bears. So even if James Robinson plays, while you'll probably have to play him, I'm still not going to love the ceiling there. I'm still not going to love his opportunities going up against the Chicago Bears, who are healthy right now on defense. Who have been on a tear offensively. Now let's let's talk about the Bears. Let's flip it over. David Montgomery is my RB2. RB2. Overall, RB2. Behind Derrick Henry. That's it. He's been a superstar through your playoff runs. And we we thought that the possibility could be there because of the the schedule that they had in front of them. We knew that the the matchups were going to put him in position 
to at least, if he takes advantage of it, have some really good games. The question was, were you going to be able to take advantage of it? Because all season long, while the volume has been there and he's been a low-end RB2, he never took that next step up. Well, finally, when we said bye-bye to Nick Foles and brought back Mitchell Trubisky and brought back the RPO offense and brought in Bill Lazor as the offensive coordinator and the play caller instead of Matt Nagy, David Montgomery's been going bananas. He had 32 carries, two touchdowns, 140 yards last week. What do you think he's going to do against Jacksonville, who's an even better matchup, believe it or not, for the running backs? He's going to have a great week. He's my RB2 on the week. Superstar. You know, also superstar, Allen Robinson. My wide receiver, four. And my top five of wide receivers heading into this week. Again, since Bill Lader's taken over, they feature him. He's not just on the perimeter. He's not just in the slot. They move him all around. They have him in motion. And Mitchell Trubisky is targeting him, especially in the red zone. Didn't have a huge game last week, but he had a good game. And a good game is his floor right now. And against Jacksonville... Multiple touchdowns, 100 yards are all on the table for him this week. Wide receiver one, top five for me this week. And that leads to Mr. Trubisky, yes, being a streaming quarterback. He's my QB, 12 on the week. Now, is it hard for me to stomach the idea of trusting a Mitchell Trubisky in your championship weeks? Yes, it's very difficult because we know Trubisky could bomb at any given moment. But what we also know is that in good matchups like this, Trubisky, normally speaking, at least still has a good floor. We'll still throw for a couple of touchdowns. We'll still run a little bit. Against Jacksonville, he could have a really good game. He has to be a QB 12. He has to be in the streaming conversation. Now, am I going to be more willing to take a shot on him in DFS this week? Yeah, 100%, absolutely. It's going to be hard for me to play him in my championship week just because it's Mitchell Trubisky. You just, there's times where you just he'll just implode for no reason. But it's Jacksonville. He's not going to have to do too much. He's played well. He's a streaming option for you. Not saying you have to play him. He is a QB 12, so he makes him a QB 1 for me this week. But he's a streaming option for you. There's other guys who I still think have bigger ceilings. Again, this is also a game script where... David Montgomery, the defense, could just kind of dominate this game, and Trubisky just doesn't do too much because he's not asked to do too much. But there's a there's definitely a high floor when it comes to Trubisky in this match against the Jacksonville Jaguars, the way that this Bears offense has been playing as of late. There just is. So it has to be a consideration if you're streaming quarterback this week. I'm not touching the tight end. Cole Komet has been playing well ahead of Jimmy Graham. It's a It's been back and forth as far as who's getting the red zone looks. There's no tight end here play. So let's move on, because there's nothing else to really talk about when it comes to the Chicago Bears. Uh, it, the Bears' defense, I, I guess I'll mention that real quick, because if you're looking at defenses, yeah, I don't. I, especially if they don't have James Robinson, I don't know how Jacksonville moves the ball and doesn't turn it over consistently in this game. So y- you definitely want to play the Bears' defense in this one. The next game up, the Giants and the Ravens. Now this game is a little bit more interesting, a little bit harder to judge in some situations. I mean, the Giants showed they've been good against the run. Their defense has been showing up over the past two months and asserting themselves as a legitimately top 10 defense. And We've all recognized that, but they really impressed me last week against the Cleveland Browns. It was a physical team. It was a team who knows how to run the football, even against good run defenses, they know how to run the football. And they were able to keep these guys in check. 
I mean, Nick Chubb, he gets the touchdown there, but he only had 50 yards. Kareem Hunt did almost nothing in that game. And that's coming off of a game where they all went off against the Baltimore Ravens. So the Giants are legit. Now, when you're the Ravens and you have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson that you input into that rushing attack on offense, that's where things get a little more interesting. Things get a little bit tougher. It was when things open up that wouldn't normally be there. That's why the Ravens can run against teams who have good run defenses. So they have success against the guys like the Pittsburgh Steelers when they were you know, fully healthy earlier on in the season. He just opens things up that wouldn't normally be there. So J.K. Dobbins, and that's what I'm leading to. I'll talk about Lamar in a second. J.K. Dobbins is still an RB2. He's RB17 for me on the week. He's still leading the way in snaps, still leading the way in carries. Yes, Gus Edwards will be involved. But even in a tough matchup against the Giants, even though he didn't go crazy against Jacksonville like I was hoping he was going to, I thought he might have an opportunity to do so. He still had a good game in that one. He still has a good shot to have a good game in this one. First of all, he's been explosive. He's been highly efficient. And like I said, when you have Lamar Jackson, even when you're going up against the tough run defenses, there are just holes that are going to be available that wouldn't normally be for other players in that similar matchup. So I still think he has a high floor, making him a solid RB2. And Gus Edwards comes in at RB33, so he's an RB3. He's a flex consideration for me this week because he has a chance to get touchdowns too. He's going to get his touches as well. This Ravens team has gotten back to its roots, finally. I mean, it took all season. It took finally deciding that you had to get your running backfield down to two guys and not a three-man rotation. Took you deciding that Marquise Brown legitimately does need seven plus targets in a game for your passing attack. Mark Andrews being back also helps with that too. But they've gotten back to the roots where they're not putting kid gloves on Lamar Jackson like they were earlier in the season. Earlier in the season, it looked like they were really trying to make sure they limited the amount of times Jackson was in a position to get hit. And just playing it way more conservatively. Over the past month, or three weeks, I should say. It will be a month because I expect them to do the same thing here. Uh-uh. All gloves have been off. They realize that they need to push the pedal to the metal. They even want to make the playoffs right now in the AFC with the way the AFC North is with the Browns and the Steelers. And as a result, Lamar Jackson's holding nothing back. And whatever was ailing him earlier on in the season, which why he doesn't look he didn't look as explosive, still crazy fast, still the fastest guy on the field, but didn't look as explosive as he did a season ago, he looks healthy now. He's not afraid to just take off anymore. Lamar Jackson getting 100 yards rushing in this game is certainly on the table. That's why he's my QB9 on the week. And because they've looked like they finally put an emphasis on, you know what, Jackson? I don't care if you make a few mistakes. Push the ball to Marquise Brown. Get the ball to Mark Andrews. Get the passing attack down the field the way it should be off of play action. I've been impressed that the Ravens' offense is just they are getting back to the basics and saying, you know what, Lamar... Be a playmaker. Do what you do. Because that's the only way we make sure we make the playoffs. And they're playing their best football right now. Which is making Baltimore a little bit dangerous in my eyes. So I'm not going to worry about a tough defense here that they have to go up against. The other reason I'm not going to worry about it too much is because the Giants offensively, I don't care if it's Daniel Jones, Colt McCoy, I don't care what they do. Offensively, they're anemic offensively, I don't know how much they're going to be able to push the medal to the Ravens. I think the Ravens have a real chance. They're, they're great when they get to play ahead. They should be able to play ahead in this game for the majority of it from start to finish. So that's the other thing that bodes well for the Ravens. That's why Marquise Brown as a high-end wide receiver three, 
James Bradbury's been a little bit banged up, dealing with COVID issues. Even if he's out there, he might not be 100%. And with the extra target share, Brown has been getting targeted down the field again. He is a boomer bust option, but he has a little bit of a higher floor than he did earlier on the season. So he is a wide receiver three for me this week. Mark Andrews is going to be a top three tight end. I I was going to say the rest of the way, but we're pretty much at the championship week now. He's a top three tight end for me this week as well. He's due for a touchdown, and I would expect to see him get one in this game against the Giants too. On the Giants side of the ball, outside of playing Wayne Gallman as a low-end RB2, just because he has had success against good run defenses this season, the Baltimore Ravens haven't been as good against the run as of late because Clay is Campbell's still not just still, still not quite 100%. Neither is Brandon Williams. He's the only one he's going to play. Daniel Jones goes, I don't care. The, he's, the dude's clearly not close to being 100%, and I'll keep harping on this. If he doesn't have the ability to use his legs to make plays, it's a, he's a terrible quarterback. They're a terrible offense. I don't care who the quarterback is. So outside of Wayne Gallman, I'm not even considering a New York Giant in this championship game for my fantasy lineups. Not at all. So let's move in to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Houston Texans. Now the big thing with the Bengals is like, whoa, look at that big win against Pittsburgh. But here's what I'm going to say. That was their season. That was their Super Bowl to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I 100% guarantee you they're going to come out flat in this game. And a team that's that bad that comes out flat is going to get steamrolled. Expect Houston to dominate this game. While it's a good matchup for the running back, I, if Bernard gets the treatment that he did last week, just being a bell cow guy, they're getting off of this Samaja Perrine needing touches and Travion William needing touches and benching Bernard for absolutely no reason because of one fumble the first time he did it in freaking forever. Bernard should still be considered a low-end RB2 because of the matchup here, because of the expected volume that he can have. And again, with Ryan Finley in there, you're usually going to get more checkdowns. He's going to have to throw the ball more than 13 times in this game, unlike we did against the Steelers. So the checkdowns should be there. I expect GMI Bernard to have a decent floor in this game against the Houston Texans. Tyler Boyd, second day in a row not practicing with a concussion issue. I don't know that he's going to be available. Normally speaking, when you have players who are trying to get to the concussion protocol, you need to see them practice on either a Wednesday or a Thursday for them to really be cleared. He wasn't able to do either one of those things. I find it highly questionable that Boyd's going to be able to go. So, T. Higgins might get a lot of volume, but while Ryan Finley might be a positive for a Giovanni Bernard, he is definitely a negative when it comes to a wide receiver like a T. Higgins because there are not, are not going to be shots down the field. Intermediate, 12 to 15 yards and short, it's all Ryan Finley is going to do with passing the football. So if Tyler Boyd misses, T. Higgins might be okay because then the volume... He'll have to play more of that type of role. The volume will be there where he might have a floor in a good match against the Houston Texans. But he's still not going to be anything more than a wide receiver three. And because I don't love his ceiling because of his quarterback play, I have to think you're going to have a better option available to you. He does come in as a wide receiver three, but again, there's a wide range of outcomes here with Ryan Finley there. But because of the Houston Texans, because Tyler Boyd might be out, there's a floor that you could potentially play him at depending on what your options are. But I don't, I don't love the ceiling. Don't love the ceiling. But that's all you're really considering from the Bengals side of things. When you go to Houston, however, this could be it. This could be the game where the Houston offense gets to run wild. They've had tough matchups 
over the past month. Chicago, Colts twice. You finally get a good match against Cincinnati. A team, again, like I expect to come out flat. I'm not looking at that Steelers game and like, oh, well, maybe Cincinnati could actually play them. Top. No, 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 no. They're going to come out flat in this game. Houston's going to be able to do whatever they want to do offensively. Duke Johnson's probably going to miss again, which is great news for David Johnson because if anything, last week was an indication that no Duke Johnson, all of a sudden, David Johnson is allowed to catch the ball. He's allowed to be on the field all the time. So David Johnson is a high-end RB2 in this matchup for me. I think he'll actually have an efficient day running, which is something he hasn't had a lot of this season. But the most important thing is that it looks like I don't expect 100 yards receiving this game or anything like that, but do I expect five to six targets? Do I expect him to have a good game catching the football? Yeah. With no Duke Johnson, they are allowing David Johnson to just be a full-blown bell cow at this point. And in this matchup, I like it a lot. He's been dependable when he's been on the field, even when he hasn't been efficient anyway. So there's a great chance that he scores a touchdown here. He's a high-end RB2 for me. I love David Johnson this week. Deshaun Watson, love him. He's a top-10 quarterback, too. A guy who's been playing great football, regardless of what weapons he's had around him, regardless of what the matchup has been. While from a fantasy standpoint, it hasn't always been the most pretty thing, and he hasn't been that top-five quarterback that you wanted him to be. From an NFL standpoint, he's played great. And that's why, again, I say this this is a game where I could see Houston's offense going bananas. I really could. I really could. I have Brandon Cooks as a low-end wide receiver, too. The targets have been there. I don't love that because Kuti can only play the slot receiver position, that Cooks no longer really gets the lineup in there because he was kind of getting moved around before Will Fuller got suspended. So he kind of gets limited to the perimeter. But the targets have still been there consistently for him. And this is finally, again, this is the first good matchup they've had in a while. The first good matchup they've had since Will Fuller's been suspended. I think Cooks can be looked at as a low-end wide receiver, too, in this game with a solid floor. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Kiki Kuti just comes in at wide receiver 35. It just comes in that wide receiver 3 territory for me. It's a good matchup. That's what it boils down to. But I think you can have guys with higher ceilings in this game. Outside of playing against the Colts and scoring touchdowns, eh, Kuti's been a little bit shaky as far as his involvement, too. So I think you have a guy who can get a higher ceiling. But I do like, I do like his floor here in this game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Denver Broncos. Los Angeles Chargers. 
Melvin Gordon, he, he's been great. Melvin Gordon has been great. He's scoring touchdowns. He's running like a man possessed. He's running like he knows he has something he has to prove. After the things he went through this season with the DUI, Philip Lindsay looking like they wanted Philip Lindsay to usurp him at one point. He's been running like a man possessed. He's 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 RB eighteen, and that might be too low for me against the Chargers, who haven't played well against the run, haven't played well defensively, at least not from a consistent basis. Joey Bosa is banged up. We don't know if he's going to be able to go. And they've had to lean on Melvin Gordon because who knows what type of game you're going to get out of a Drew Lock on a week to week basis right now? No idea. So Melvin Gordon RB eighteen. Fire him up as a solid RB, too. Feel pretty good about his performance. Outside of it is where it gets shaky, because then you have to depend on Drew Locke. I think you have to play Noah Fant. Finally had a good game last week. That's the, that's the good news. You can is a good match against the Chargers for tight ends. Tight end six for me this week. I don't know what you're going to get out of the receivers, though. Chargers, most of the time, most of the time, especially now they have Chris Harris back, have been pretty good against wide receiver ones and the slot guys, which automatically takes away a Tim Patrick and a Jerry Judy, who already have low floors, again, because of the untrustworthy play of a Drew Locke. So I think ultimately speaking, championship week, I'm not playing anybody not named a Melvin Gordon or Noah Fant when it comes to the Denver Broncos. On the Chargers side of things, I think you can fire up everybody with some confidence. The Broncos' defense hasn't been playing very well as of late. They just haven't been. Herbert, QB6 for me this week. Finally got back on track against the Raiders a little bit. Even if they don't have Keenan Allen, who hasn't been practicing, and and, and it's a real question mark because he was nothing but a decoy against the Raiders. And I do think after seeing him be nothing but a decoy against the Raiders and still not practicing this week, he's going to have to get on the practice field and be limited for at least a couple days in a row for me to even have confidence to play Keenan Allen, unfortunately. Now, let's assume he's either able to get a full practice in or a couple limited practices, and they talk about Keenan Allen being active and not being a decoy. Let's assume that winds up being the case. Then you still have to play Keenan Allen as a, as a low-end wide receiver one against the Denver Broncos, a guy who gets targeted heavily every single week. But if not, if not, I'm not taking that chance in my championship weeks after they've screwed everybody over week 15. I mean, it's probably going to be tough for a lot of people who have Keenan Allen if you're even in the championship week to begin with because of what he performed on that Thursday football game. If we know he's going to be more than just a decoy, you have to play him as a wide receiver one. Otherwise, I don't know if I'm rolling the dice on that. I don't know if I'm taking that chance. That will affect Hunter Henry. If we think that Keenan Allen is going to be a decoy or not play because of the hamstring injury and because the Chargers are out of it, Hunter Henry's going to get some targets heading his way, especially in the red zone. So right now I have him at tight end 16 because I'm assuming Keenan Allen is Keenan Allen to some degree. He will move up my rankings if I, we find out later on this week that Keenan Allen's not going to be himself or not playing. So Hunter Henry very easily will be in the top 12 if Keenan Allen cannot go. Even so, he's still a guy that you can stream if you've been leaning on him. I think you're okay with his production. I think you're okay with his potential for a touchdown here. But I like it a lot better if Keenan Allen is not going to be active. Austin Eckler, I know it was kind of disappointing against the Raiders. Overall, he's still the top back. 
and I would expect the targets that weren't there last week that should have been there to get course corrected and get back to getting Eckler super heavily involved in the passing game. I have him as RB9. I think he's a low-end RB1. I think he just has one hell of a floor with his involvement within this offense. Plain and simple. We're going to take our last break of the show. Come back. We're going to finish out the preview matchups that we have for you guys left on Doc. So, everybody, please stay tuned right after this. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back into the show, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. Also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We've been going through majority of the game so far for Week 16, your championship week previews. We have a few more games to get to before we cap off the show. And what, for some of you, it, I'm not naive at all, this could be your last show of the year. And if it is, I want to thank you for staying with the MD's Fantasy Football Show, all the support you have shown. I hope that you will continue your support through the off season. We'll be back in March. Uh, we, we still have more shows that we're doing next week. But after that, we will be back in March, around, around the free agencies when we come back, start to give our fantasy football analysis for the free agency moves that get made. Of course, we're going to our coaching impacts. We have some beat writers on in the summer. We have one episode a week until about late July. We move to two, and then we go back to four. I'm telling you right now, it'll be here before you know it. So even though we're going on hiatus soon, I'm still going to be involved in the DC's DFS Challenge show. We're going to do some other content as well. But the big thing is that this gives me the opportunity to work on the show, to add some new things, to make this more entertaining, more informative, a just a better tool overall for you. And we continue to do that and get the resources that we need when you give us five-star reviews on whatever streaming app that you listen to and you subscribe to us wherever you can. YouTube, you know, on our social media, at BellyUpMDFFShow, on iTunes, on HiArt Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much everywhere. We're available everywhere that we can possibly be. And that's because of you guys. So again, thank you so very much. So let's get into these last few games that we have for today's show. To cap off our preview for our championship week 16. Next up, we have the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. This game is going to win, is going to dictate some championships results for this week. We should have a lot of offensive scoring in this game. The Eagles secondary banged up. We don't know if Darius Slay is going to play. They've been taken advantage of as of late. So guys like Amari Cooper, a C.D. Lamb, they might be able to take advantage in this game. Michael Gallup is expected to play. He's had a hip pointer injury, but he's going to be a little bit banged up. I should add a few more targets for Mark Cooper because Michael Gallup over the past couple of weeks has actually been the lead targeted receiver. Still hasn't necessarily had the big fantasy stat line to go along with it, but the targets for Michael Gallup have stepped up to the point where he can't be considered the odd man out as far as the receivers go because of the volume that he has been seeing. But I would still play an Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb ahead of a Michael Gallup, especially in this matchup, where Gallup's going to be a little bit limited. And I expect Mari Cooper, who didn't, who wasn't involved much against San Francisco last week, to be back to being the number one receiver this week. I have Mari Cooper as a wide receiver 21. 
low-end wide receiver two. So I think you can definitely play him. CeeDee Lamb's wide receiver 33 for me. He's a, he's a wide receiver three who has big play capabilities in a game which I could really see being a high-scoring matchup here between the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. The big question, of course, is Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. And, I mean, either way, this is not a good matchup for running backs against the Philadelphia Eagles. It's not. And Ezekiel Elliott has not been explosive this year. And even if he plays, he's going to be banged up. He's not going to be 100%. He's still going to have to deal with the calf issues. So if he plays, he's a low-end RB2 with a low floor. You're hoping for a touchdown. If you tell me you don't want to play Ezekiel Elliott, I'm not going to bat my eyelashes at you about it. Not. Ezekiel Elliott, like I said, he's going to have to be an RB2 because if he's the lead guy, he'll get the most of the volume. He'll get a goal line carry. But there's not a huge ceiling here. And there would be a low floor because then Tony Pollard could still be involved in a significant rate. And if Ezekiel Elliott continues to look the way he has against a good run defense in the Philadelphia Eagles, there won't be much running room. The big key is that he has to be involved in the passing game. Now, if he sits out this week, if he sits out this week, Tony Pollard would be a high-end RB2 that I would be aggressive about playing in my lineup. After what we saw last week in San Francisco 49ers, and again, ultimately, it was not efficient what Tony Pollard did last week. Ultimately, it was not efficient. But he was still able to get two touchdowns. The big key was, with him being the bell cow back, who I think played almost every single snap, I would expect something similar against Philadelphia Eagles. It's the passing game. Andy Dalton really showed that he likes being able to dump it off to the Tony Pollard coming out of the backfield. He really showed that. So if he's going to be involved in the passing game that way again, that much again with no Ezekiel Elliott in the mix, that's where Tony Pollard has a high floor. He has a big play capability because he is very explosive. And he'll just get all the work. He'll be a high in RB2 that I'd be very aggressive about playing. But Zeke's been practicing on a limited capacity the past two days. So we're going to have to wait and see on that situation as we move closer to Sunday. Now we flip things over. We go to Philadelphia Eagles, and we have to kick this whole thing off with Jalen Hurts, who's my QB7 on the week. He's a top 10 quarterback play. And as QB7, I would even go as far as he's a must quarterback play. Now, there's a bunch of different scenarios out there where you could be a person who has Jalen Hurts and also has, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, all the elite quarterbacks because you picked Hurts off the waiver wire not to play him yourself, but to block your opponents from having him. So, and yes, in that case, no, I'm not playing Jalen Hurts over those guys. But if you had a bottom tier, if you have a Tom Brady, a, uh, you know, I'm trying to, the Sean Watson, uh, a couple guys in that range. Hertz is going to be in my consideration of guys that I'm going to want to play this week. Had a great game last week against the Arizona Cardinals. You're going up against an even weaker defense in the Dallas Cowboys this week. And you know his floor is just through the roof right now. His floor is through the roof because he's going to use his legs. He's going to run. This offense is going to be built off of his ability to run with the RPOs. It doesn't get much safer. It doesn't get much higher than Jalen Hurts. <laughs> Excuse me. Drink a little coffee to get the frog out of my throat. It doesn't get much better than Jalen Hurts. He's a QB7 for me on the week. Miles Sanders is RB12. He is a low-end RB1 in my mind. The holes just open up with Jalen Hurts now at the quarterback position. They just do. And 
Dallas is a great matchup for any running back. <coughs> any running back. So, you're playing them with confidence. But, unfortunately, when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, there's not a pass catcher out there that you want to play. Not a wide receiver. And even when it comes to the tight ends, while Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard last week combined for 15 targets, which, you, I mean, you love that for the tight end position in general, because they're eating into each other, because Jalen Hurts is spreading the ball out the way that he is, I mean, he's really spreading the ball out amongst all the pass catchers. There's still a low floor when it comes to them. Dallas Goddard, if I'm going to play one, it's going to be him. But even he comes in at tight end 13 for me. So he's just outside the top 12. <coughs> so he's not, you know, a tight end one. He's not a must play for me either. So while this is a great matchup, I love Jalen Hurts. I love Miles Sanders. I'm not big on the pass catchers of the Philadelphia Eagles. Dallas Cowboys. Or we talked about the Dallas Cowboys. Moving on to the next game, the Rams in Seattle. So this is probably the toughest game for me to rank, for me to get a handle on. Because I see such a wide range of outcomes when it comes to these two teams right now. Both offenses are coming in cold. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Both defenses are coming in hot. But when you get in these divisional matchups, you can see a reverse game script from where these two teams are heading. And that just happens in any divisional matchup. Where you just get something you're just not expecting. Where all of a sudden, the two offenses that are cold, the two defenses are hot, flip rolls, and we get a shootout. Or it continues down the trend that we've been seeing over the past few weeks with both of these teams, and we wind up with a 20-10, to 20-13 type of game. Defensive matchup. It could go either direction right now. It really could. So as a result, all the fantasy relevant players have very high ceilings but very low floors. You're not going to get an in-between. Now, Daryl Henderson, RB22 for me on this week. He is definitely an RB2 that you can plug and play in your lineups because Cam Akers is going to be out. Henderson will get the majority of the work. We've seen it already happen this season. While on paper, Seattle is going to show as a plus matchup for running backs, you kind of have to throw that away. You, got to, you have to look at the last four weeks because this Seattle defense is not the same Seattle defense it was earlier on in the season. It's a much different defense now. It's a much better defense. With Jamal Adams fully healthy, with the addition of Carlos Dunlap, they have solidified and made themselves better in the middle. They've made themselves better against the run. Made themselves better in general. Uh, the perimeter receivers that can still attack, but they made themselves better in general. There's not as much running room. And tack on the fact that the Rams' offensive line without Andrew Whitworth is just not the same. They're just not. McVay does a great job of trying to scheme things to try to help them out in every possible way and play more two tight end sets and all of that nature. They're just not the same. So while Henderson's definitely an RB2 and definitely somebody who can be in your lineups because he's going to get the volume... There's still not a high ceiling in my mind going into this matchup, giving all those variables. 
And then the real question becomes the wide receivers. So Cup and Robert Woods still ultimately have to get ranked as wide receiver twos for me this week. They're going to have to be lean on for targets. And while the, the core of the Seattle defense has improved, you're still not afraid of the corners. Now, they've played better as of late. You haven't been able to toast them whenever you want to, but I'm still not afraid of the corners. And I do think getting the ball on the outside, getting the ball on the perimeter, is going to have to be the Rams' game plan attack against Seattle. But, because of the way Jared Goff has played at times, because of the way Seattle defense is playing as of late, there's still low floors when it comes to a Cooper Cup, when it comes to a Robert Woods. Number one, you always have the fear that it's going to be one of their games and not the other. So you, which one is it going to be? Which one's going to take away from the other? That's that's always a factor. And then what Jared Goff are you going to get? Is it going to be the Jared Goff who actually gets the ball out of his hands quickly, knows exactly where he wants to go with the ball pre-snap? Or are you going to get the Jared Goff who holds on to the football, has to actually sit back and read defenses, and as a result, completely implodes? Which one are you going to get? You never know until the game starts. You don't have any semblance of an idea. It doesn't matter who they're playing. It doesn't matter where they're playing at anymore. It used to be a home-road split thing. Now it's almost like you want them to be on the road. He seems to be playing better on the road this year than at home, which they are on the road for this game in Seattle. There's a wide range of outcomes here. So if you have safer options, especially in the Cooper Cup, of the two receivers, Robert Woods is the one I feel more confident about. Because he gets more involved with the end of rounds and in the running game and stuff like that than Cooper Cup does as of late. But if you have safer options, I'm not going to. I'm championship week. I'm not going to argue with you too much if you don't want to go in one of these directions. But they are still wide receiver twos. On the Seattle side of things, I am not. I repeat, I am not playing Russell Wilson. Jalen Hurts is a great example. I'm playing Jalen Hurts 100 percent over Russell Wilson. His cold streak not only has gone on for six weeks now, but it's been it's colder than cold. It's frosty. It's frostbitten. It's an iceberg. You can't play him. Not against a Rams defense that's playing really well right now. And I know they had a bit of a letdown last week, but that had more to do with the offense putting him in bad situations over and over and over again. I am not playing Russell Wilson. The Seattle offense in general has just, they've lost themselves trying to get back to this balanced attack. If they just got back to, let's just be an explosive offense again, let's be a vertical offense again, they would be fine, but they're not doing that. And if you go up against defenses that have a good pass rush, well then everything falls apart. Do not play Russell Wilson in your championship weeks this week. I know it's a crazy thing to say, and at the end of the year, Wilson's going to finish as a top six scoring quarterback. Do not play him this week. Do not do it. There's no reason to trust Russell Wilson right now. Now, DK Metcalf, you have to play. You have to play him. It only takes one play, number one, for him. He's a monster. Even though he's been cold, with Wilson being cold, I think you have to play a DK Metcalf. Have to. But you're not playing Russell Wilson. You're not playing Tyler Lockett either. Because he has nothing but a floor. There's no ceiling to his game whatsoever unless they're playing the Arizona Cardinals. You're not playing a Tyler Lockett. Not against the Rams. So the only other person outside of DK Metcalf that I'm going to play this week is Chris Carson. And that and he's an RB2, and that's purely because of his volume, his floor. 
Last week, I know he wasn't super involved in the passing game, but he's been consistently involved in the passing game. That's what's given him a floor each and every week. I don't expect him to be efficient running the football against the Rams. They've been they've been really tough against the running backs so far this year. But if he gets back to getting about five, six targets, which is what he had been doing on a more consistent basis as of late outside of last week, then he has a nice high floor. He has a touchdown ability because he's going to get the goal line carries. So Chris Carson's still an RB2. But outside of Chris Carson, DK Metcalf, I'm not playing a Seattle Seahawk right now. A good defense, a cold streak out of Russell Wilson, that's it. I'm staying away from him altogether in my championship weeks. So let's move on into the Titans and the Green Bay Packers here. Tannehill comes in a QB 14 for me. The Packers have been pretty tough against the quarterbacks. I would also be hard-pressed not to play Tannehill, though, because of the hot streak that he has been on coming off the five-touchdown game performance from last week. But their perimeter corners are good. They've been good against passing attacks. The thing about Ryan Tannehill is that he always has that nice floor because of what he can give you with his legs. Period. And because... This could be a different situation. So on paper, you have on one hand, the Packers have been pretty good against quarterbacks, pretty good against perimeter receivers, but they haven't played against a team like the Titans where they may have to sit there and say, hey, you know what? We're a terrible run defense. We can't let Derrick Henry single-handedly beat us. So if the Green Bay Packers come in and decide that they are just going to sell out to try to take on Derrick Henry and just play one-on-one on the outside as a result. And everybody else, the safeties, the linebackers, the defensive linemen, they're all going to come in to try to take out Derrick Henry. Well, we know the play-action pass with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis is going to be there. Because as good as Jared Alexander and Kevin King are, there's only so much you can do one-on-one play-action with this offense against those receivers. No matter how good you are at the cornerback position, one-on-one. They're going to beat you a few times. So ultimately... I love A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, both as wide receiver twos this week. And while Ryan Tannehill is my QB 14, that still puts him in the category of a streamer, still puts him in the category of a guy that I think you can play and get a decent game out of between his legs and the play-action pass, I believe, being there. Because the Packers, to me, there's no doubt in my mind their game plan defensively is going to have to be to sell out for Derrick Henry. Oh, and by the way, don't care if they do that, Derrick Henry's still my number one running back. So I'm okay playing a Tannehill. I'm okay with the sealing the floor ratio of an A.J. Brown and a Corey Davis this week, even though the matchup on paper is a little bit tougher than what they faced the past few weeks. Because there's going to be points had in this game. This very well should be, could be a shootout with a lot of points here. Which brings us to the Packers' side of the ball. Jamal Williams, it doesn't look like he's going to play. He hasn't practiced the past two days. That means Aaron Jones probably going to be a bell cow back, which has him RB7 on the week. Devontae Adams is my wide receiver one. I expect a big bounce back week. The number one receivers always go off against the Tennessee Titans. And when you have an elite option there, we expect a great game there. Aaron Rodgers my number two quarterback on the week. I know he started off great last week, fell off in the second half a little bit. Aaron Rodgers is the only thing that Aaron Jones I have concern with because, because he didn't have a great game ultimately last week. I think Rodgers could come out with a vengeance, especially in a matchup where Tennessee can't stick anything in the passing game anyway. And the only thing that I'm worried about Aaron Jones is that if Rodgers just dominates this game. That's the only thing I'd be worried about when it comes to Aaron Jones. But every, you're firing up everybody with high confidence as a top play this week. That includes Robert Tunyon as a top 10 tight end, too. He's just finding the end zone every week. So we don't even have to go over anything else. Let's get into our last game, the last few minutes of our show here, of our championship show, of our Christmas holiday special, two-hour show. It's been great. 
And we don't have to spend a lot of time on this game, and that's why I kind of saved it for the end here. Not only is it the Monday night game, but I'm not playing a single Patriot player against this Buffalo defense right now with the way they're playing. I don't care if Sonny Michelle's getting a majority of carries. We're waiting to see if Damian Harris is active. It's uh, Jacoby Myers being the top receiver. It's all irrelevant. It's all irrelevant. There's too low of a floor with this Patriot offense. Just in general, take, take away who, what their opponent is, with just Cam Newton not being a good quarterback anymore, it's just too low of a floor in every way. They're just not putting up points. And Buffalo's defense, being healthy, playing well, doesn't help. So there's not a Patriot player playing in your championship games. On the flip side of that, Stephon Diggs, it looks like he's going to play, which means he's a wide receiver one. He's my wide receiver seven overall in half-point PPR leagues this week. There's no Stephon Gilmore. I know that Bill Belichick, everyone's going to be worried, well, does he just take away the number one option? And they might try to. And they did a good job of limiting Josh Allen and limiting Stephon Diggs the first time around, but they had Stephon Gilmore. So even if they tilt this offense, the target share of Stephon Diggs, the floor that he's had this season, is through the roof. And will continue to be so. I'm not worried about it. Josh Allen has handled better defenses over the past few weeks than the Patriots with great success. I don't think that stops just because it's Bill Belichick. Allen himself is my QB4 on the week. You got to love him, especially with Stephon Diggs fired up and go. Both running backs are RB3s. There's definitely success to be had against the Patriots when running the game. They're eating into too much of each other's work, and you still have Al and the Vulture touchdowns. I don't see a scenario in which you're starting a Buffalo Bills running back in your championship week. I think the question with Cole Beasley is going to be, is, just, is, is this the game John Brown's active for? If it's the game John Brown's active for, then Cole Beasley's a low-end wide receiver three, but I'd rather see what other options I have available to me with bigger ceilings. If John Brown cannot go this game, well, then we know Cole Beasley is sitting there on 8 to 10 targets. We know he's a solid option. He'll be a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. He'll be a guy who can definitely get into my lineup. But that's all going to depend on whether or not this is the week John Brown comes back or not. And that's not something we're going to know for sure until Friday. So make sure you're following us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. We'll keep you up to date there. That's it. That wraps it up for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope we're able to take all this information and move into the championship weeks, and I hope you guys will be a winners come Monday on MD Nation. We will be back on Monday with the Sunday afternoon recap. We will have a slate of shows next week for Week 17 for those leagues out there that still have your championships being determined in Week 17. But after that, if this is going to be your last show with us, first I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to thank you for your support. I want to thank you for being with us. We're going to be back in March, one episode a week, starting with the free agency, talk about the draft, talk about the coaching changes. We'll talk about, you know, what the, some, we'll have some beat writers on again to get some insider tips about what's going on inside of OTAs and camps because and, we should actually have an offseason this year, hopefully. Late July, we'll have two episodes a week, start getting you guys ready for your, your draft prep and all those preseason rankings, and then we'll be back to four episodes a week coming in September. That's, that's the schedule that'll go throughout the winter. We'll be right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. Make sure you're following us at Show on social media, especially on Twitter for the player news notifications. For the rankings that will be updated throughout the weekend, check out bellyupfantasysports.com. Hopefully, I'll see you guys next week, because even if you want some light entertainment, we're going to talk some DFS angles, too, next week. So there's going to be other reasons to listen to us heading into Week 17, even if you're not playing in your redraft leagues anymore. Everyone, take care. A Merry Christmas to you. We'll see you again real soon. Have a very safe, happy holiday, and go win your championship games.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet.